Our scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. You can follow along in your bulletin or if you have your Bibles, which would be good if you had your Bibles. So, reading God's Word, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. You know, years ago, we opened up a brand new building over here, over by the elevators with a worship space for the teenagers, brand new Sunday school classrooms, and a brand new gym. And the junior high students loved it. Everything was brand new, everything was cool. And some of the seniors and juniors, they were appreciative, but they said, we miss our old space. And, 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 and I said, wait a minute, you miss the area down in the basement next to the place we call the dungeon, the place that smells real bad that no adult ever wants to go down there. That's what you miss? And, and, and they said, that, but that's where we worshiped. That was our space. That was home, right? I, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. It's hard to say goodbye to the things that you remember and that you treasure, the places that you have been where you have met God, uh, those places where you remember being loved by other people. When I was in college, my home church of St. John's United Methodist Church in Aiken, South Carolina, decided to tear down the building where our youth ministry was housed. There was sort of a, a, a fellowship hall. It wasn't the main fellowship hall, but there was a kind of a fellowship hall there. And then in the upstairs is where the youth ministry was held. All of our Sunday school classes. When I was in 12th grade, we did a disciple Bible study, and it was held in that space, our Sunday nights, all of that. And so when it was announced that it, they were going to tear it down, they invited all the students and the graduates to come back, and we were going to paint or draw on everything, because they were just going to tear the whole place down. And so that's what we got to do. We got to graffiti a church building, which for a teenager is just enough fun to feel like it's illegal even though it's not. And I remember being there and 
seeing everyone and it just flooded back those memories and I remembered that we sang uh, two songs in that place over and over again. Now this was, we didn't really use a lot of projectors, we didn't really have any hymnals over there, and so everything we sang as a youth group was usually for memory. So we sang, Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary, the, the song Sanctuary. We sang that all the time, especially out in the outdoor chapel at the very place that I was called into ministry, Asbury Hills, this camp in South Carolina. But we also sang another song that was real easy to remember, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And so that's what I wrote. I wrote on the drywall, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I went back to college and during that week, they tore down that building. And I came back the next week. I was one of those college students that didn't stay at college all the time. And it wasn't just because I had a lot of laundry to do or to get my mom to do. Um, it was because I wanted to come back to my church and I wanted to come back and see my little brother play football and all those things. And so even though I really wasn't supposed to, I went climbing through that rubble because I wanted to get a brick. I wanted to get a brick because I wanted to remember that place as one of my spiritual homes, my, one of my foundations. And so I wanted a brick. And I thought it was really cool because of that Pink Floyd song, right? Another brick in the wall. There would be other places, but I was going to get a brick from that building. And as I was, you know, probably in danger of getting tetanus, walking over all this rubble, I saw it right there on the ground. A piece of drywall with the words, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I saw what I wrote, and I took that too. <laughs> And I have it to this day. Uh, I have it at home, and I've got the brick too at home from that place that was so formative for me. It was part of uh, my faith development. It was part of my calling. It was a part of, of course, who I am. In the Old Testament, over and over again, especially in the book of Genesis, whenever people encounter God, or they encounter God's help or God's amazing uh, gifts of power in the, in the midst of unbelievable odds, do you know what those people do? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, do you know what they all do when God comes through for them? They build an altar. They build an altar. And sometimes they would make a sacrifice, sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes it was just an altar that was built up so that people would remember what happened there, that the stories of what happened there would be passed down, and that when people saw it, they would remember. There's a song that we love to sing. I thought about singing it today, but uh, I decided Be Thou My Vision was a little bit uh, better for today. I love that song. But in the song, Come Thou Fount, we say something really strange. We say, here I raise my Ebenezer. And most kids think, why are we talking about Scrooge <laughs> in church when it's not even Christmas? Do you even know what an Ebenezer is? Uh, Ebenezer comes from the Hebrew that means stone of help. 
stone of help. An Ebenezer stone was a stone that was put up to remember how God had helped the people of Israel get through one of those tough times. And there they put up this stone, this Ebenezer rock, so they would never forget God helped them at this place at this time. I've had a lot of experiences where where people remind us about how in our faith we need to kind of build our own personal altars where we we get things that are sacred to us or memorable to us and we kind of collect these things. We don't have to stack it up like an actual altar. You don't even have to put it all out on a table, but just collecting these things and letting them be a remembrance to God's work in your life, that is something that we can treasure. Because in those hard times, or when we feel unglued from life, or we feel like we're just sort of sailing through the complexity of this world, these Ebenezers, these altars, these memories are like those anchors that we need, or those places, those firm grounding spots for us to put our feet when we need it. In a way, there's sort of these outward and visible signs of the grace that may be invisible, the the help that we may not have been able to articulate, but we know in our hearts. Have you ever thought about these outward and visible signs or these relics that might be in your life? It might not be drywall and a brick. It might be something else. It might be something else. I know some people that collect dirt from different places they go and they label it. And so as they think about the places they've seen God's beauty or they think about the places where they've experienced God's love, they have a little bit of dirt there. Visible and outward signs of inward and spiritual grace. Objects that signify something bigger. And sometimes these objects even leave a mark. Whenever uh, we do a wedding here, whenever we do the part of the wedding, the liturgy where we exchange rings, I usually say those exact same words. These rings are an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace connecting the two together. When I went to Portland, and I told you last week about everything getting stolen, one of the things that I got out of my bag before we went to lunch was my wedding ring. My hands kind of swell up whenever uh, we fly, so I'll take it off, I'll put it in my pocket. This time I put it in my book bag, my travel bag, and thank goodness I put it back on before it, all that stuff was stolen. But I notice every time I take off my wedding ring, there's a little area of skin that is not as tan. Now, I'm not the most tan person to begin with, okay? So we're talking pretty pale under there. But there is a mark left behind by this outward and visible sign. There is something there that has changed that is different than it was before. There's a lot of things like this in our lives, these encounters, these experiences that leave a mark. In fact, right now, I'm standing on them, and I love to talk about these things. You probably don't want me to tell you again, 
that right now I am standing on a mark left by someone else. If you were here before 2013, you know that Reed Crotty, our pastor who was here for 22 years, used to hold on to the pulpit and he would stand here. He didn't move around like I do. I need to get in my steps for my health insurance. <laughs> but he would stand here and he would move his feet every now and then. From 1999 when we opened this sanctuary until 2013 when he retired. And do you know what is right here in this hardwood? Two areas where the finish has been worn off. Because Reed's presence left a mark. I have a plate that I just had to pack up in my office with the handprint of one of my kids that was given to me when they were in preschool. It left a mark. It's just a handprint. But for me, it's an outward invisible sign of the unconditional love they had for me when I was a father of a young child. I have other relics, other altar pieces. I have a, a clock from Mount Hebron United Methodist Church. I have a clock on it that's sort of engraved back when there was a store in the mall called Things Remembered, right? How does that store stay in business? How many things have you gotten etched into something recently? But on it, it says that I served there for three years while I was in college, and it had a quotation under my name, love ya, mean it, because that was how I signed all of my emails back then. I had heard it on a radio show back in North Carolina and South Carolina, love you, mean it. That was how I had my signature on my email, and they said it back to me. I keep it to this day. And I've got a lot of things from here, a lot of things from my time here, from the ornaments of our buildings here to many cards. I have kept every card. There's a drawer full of all these cards, and sometimes I've read them when I needed a little bit more of encouragement. I've got a prayer bowl. I've got a coffee mug from the Chile mission trip. I've got so many things that people have shared with me over time, and they're all part of my altar that I can't take with me. There are marks that are left behind in our lives, especially when we're involved in church. Some of the marks that are left on my family from the past nine years include the unconditional love and care that you have shared for my children, our children, from vacation Bible schools to youth retreats, to know that this is the very church where both of my kids were confirmed. To know that this is the place that my son, Davis, who was three, year old, three years old when we got here, really thinks this is his church, the only church that he has known. Those are marks that never get removed. They last. In today's scripture that JB read for us, you see that it starts with a word of thanksgiving. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, I have heard of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not 
cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. That sentiment is what I carry today, what my family carries today. We had heard of your faith before we got here, and we have experienced it in the past nine years. And we never stop praying for you, and will not, even though we may not be here on Sunday mornings anymore. At one point uh, in the transition, I was thinking, you know, nine years was just too short. <laughs> it's not fair. And I had a little change of, of opinion on that after a while, and I just started thinking, thank God it was nine years. Thank God it wasn't one. And I became one of those statistics of the interim, interim pastors that just didn't make it. <laughs> Leslie Norris is uh, one of our graduates here. She's a, uh, one of our youth who is now in seminary. She's married. She's working in churches. And she met another uh, pastor uh, in our connection. And uh, she said, well, I, I'm, I'm working at these churches, but I'm from, I'm from Bluff Park United Methodist Church. And the pastor who's from North, uh, North Alabama, he's a Methodist, he's, she said, he said, uh, oh, that, my colleague's there, right? And she said, yes. And, and uh, they said, well, he's kind of a legend now. And she said, what do you mean a legend? He said, nobody thought anybody could last after Reed was here 22 years, and he made it nine years. I told Leslie, I've got a secret about how I did that. And they're in front of me, and they're behind me, and they're watching at home. We did it. I'm eternally grateful for the ways in which you have opened your hearts to my family and to my ministry. It was told to me it would be harder than replacing Bear Bryant, <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't that hard. I think when you put your own ego aside, and you put your own preferences aside, and you start thinking about what is best for God, what is best for the church, what is best for the witness of us all together, that's when we get it right, friends. That's when we get it right, and we start to really start witnessing to our faith and we demonstrate that it's not about a personality, and it's not about an opinion, and it's not about a certain way of doing things, it's about God's way of doing things. I'm thankful for the ways in which this church did just that, and followed in the footsteps of Christ, let their faith do the speaking, and let me have the grace and time to become a pastor here. I kind of grew up here in a way. I know some people were a little scared because I was in my 30s when I got here. <laughs> Somebody asked me uh, about my experience as a senior pastor and I said, well, I've got 
one experience as a senior pastor, <laughs> and it's been at Bluff Park for nine years. But it's enough. Thank you for your love and for your support, for your faithfulness. We will not stop thanking God for you. But you've got more work to do, just like I do. I've got to go to a whole new place. But you've got work to do as well. Because the faith, the mission, the kingdom work continues. This church has more than a bright future. It has an eternal mission. It has already done such faithful work building sacred places for worship, healing people, and serving our neighbors, giving so generously to the needs of people whose lives are falling apart. You're known for that. I think I remember telling you that my wife Julie, she met somebody in our community in Bluff Park years ago. It was probably like my second or third year here. And somehow she let it slip that she was uh, at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Her husband was one of the pastors there. And somebody said, oh, Bluff Park Methodist. That's the church that does so much for the community. You're known for that. You've got work to do because you've got a brand new family coming in. Reverend Dr. Kevin Payne and his family, his kids. I told him how much his kids are going to love this church. His wife is so excited about becoming part of the choir. And I told him that the choir is a family unlike any other. Sometimes they are closer than a Sunday school class. They're going to love it. And you're going to love them. And I know from experience, it's going to leave a mark that will never be removed. It's not goodbye, technically, because I'm sure that I'll be back from time to time for something. I mean, Reed keeps showing back, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure I'll be back from time to time. You may even see Davis around from time to time, or Lena. But I may not be here on Sunday morning, but the altar that I take with me includes all of you, and it includes the memories from here, and I'm thankful for every piece of it. God does some amazing things when we go where He sends us. God sent my family here, I believe, and I'm all the better for it. But now God is sending new people here. And y'all get the chance to work together. As I leave, I leave you in pretty good hands. We all know how great Stanley is. <laughs> An amazing friend, an even better children's director, and just an, one of the most authentic people you ever meet. And Ross, so talented, so gifted.
take care of him because he's going to be very important in our denomination and in this church. So many others. So many others. You're in good hands. And not just because of the people that you've got here, but because Christ is the center of this place and of this community too. The more you lean into Christ who is the center, the more that this place will continue to shine its light so brightly. And you'll never know just how many people might have a piece of you in this church imprinted in their lives more than you'll ever know. Maybe all of this comes down to not a handprint or a thumbprint or a wedding ring tan. Maybe it all comes down to heart prints. The Ebenezer stone is more than just a stone of help. It's a stone remembering God's heart print on his people, saving them in their time of need. May God's heart print always be with you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m. Or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so. Also here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved, as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.